Wow, now that's cause to celebrate. You imagine what it must have been like on Good Friday night for the very first time those were there. I mean, if that's all we had, Good Friday night be amazing. We had a God so loved us that he gave his one and only life so that we could have life and our sins forgiven. But if that's all we had, you know that there's something missing. There's a lot of religions around the world that have a dead leader. But it's what we celebrate this morning that makes a difference. We have a resurrected Savior. A God who not only came and shed his blood so that we could have forgiveness of sins. A God who not only loved us so much that he reached down from heaven to us. For every other religion in the world, they have a desire to try to somehow reach up to God. We've got a God who reached down to us and offered us life, offered us forgiveness, offered us grace. But we have a God who rose from the dead, who didn't stay in the grave, but who rose to newness of life. Years ago, a number of educators got together and talked about some of the greatest events in the history of humanity. A number of things began to surface at the top, discovery of America, the printing press, and a number of things that they felt had significant impact. The life of Jesus was on the list, but somewhere down the list. And at first, when you look at that, you're obviously, as a believer in Christ, disappointed. But then you realize there's more than just the life of Christ. It's the death of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus that makes a difference. That's why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 could say, if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, we're doomed. If Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, we'd still be in our sins. We've got a Savior who died on the cross for our sins, but it was his resurrection that made the difference. We've got a God who reached down to us and offered us life and salvation. But we've got a God who rose from the dead. The difference between us and every other religion on the planet is we've got a risen Savior. Not a dead Savior, not someone who gave their all for the cause of those who follow them. But we have a risen Savior who gave his life so that we could have life and then rose from the dead to prove that it could be happened and that our sins were forgiven. Paul said if he hadn't risen from the dead, we'd still be paying the price for our sin. But because he rose from the dead, we've got life. In 1 Corinthians 15, he paints a pretty negative portrait of what it would be like without the resurrection. And then he ends by saying, but he did indeed rise from the dead. And he offers us life. And he offers you and I life. And so it's easy to come on an Easter Sunday morning and celebrate. We would have walked away from that particular tomb that night really empty and solemn. And on Friday night, we did that. There was a heaviness that rests upon you when you recognize that God so loved you that he gave his life for you. And so when you walk out that night, there is a heaviness that comes with that. But we know on this side of it all that we come on Sunday morning to celebrate. And we celebrate. We celebrate the grace of God, the goodness of God, the resurrection of Christ. When you look at the Easter story, whether it be Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you see that everyone that was affected by the story was dramatically and radically changed. Fear and emptiness. They walked away that night thinking everything they had hoped for was gone. As a matter of fact, in Luke 24, when you see these two men that says they're walking on their way to Emmaus, and Jesus appears, he kind of hides himself from him, from them so they don't know who he is. They began to have a conversations about what took place. And Jesus said, what do you mean what went on? And they looked at him and said, where have you been? 
have you not known what just took place? And they begin to share with him the story. They start out by saying, we had hoped. We had hoped that he'd be everything we look for and everything we long for. And in every situation, when the ladies come to the tomb that Sunday morning, when Peter and John go running to the tomb, when the angel declares the story that he's risen, risen from the dead, you can see everything begin to change because Easter does change everything. The fear and anxiety that they were going through now became a, an excitement and anticipation about life and about what was going to happen and what they had and what they found in Jesus. A peace the world couldn't give. 2,000 years ago, Jesus offered us life, and he continues to offer us life every day in our journey. When he walked to them that day prior to the story that we celebrate this particular weekend of the crucifixion and the resurrection, he offered them peace. 700 years before Christ was born, they predicted that he would be the Prince of Peace. But when he died, they felt like they had none at all. And then all of a sudden, when you read the stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see everything begin to change. Excitement and joy and anticipation. A recognition that what Paul was going to say years from now on that particular occasion was going to be coming true. That their sins were forgiven. They had a God who rose from the dead, who didn't just make empty promises, but fulfilled every single promise he ever made. And he offered them life. And for them, it changed everything. Guys who were fearing and fear and hiding and wondering what was going to take place next, all of a sudden found out everything around them had dramatically changed. Thomas, the one who said, unless I actually see his hands and reach my hand into his side, I won't believe. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears and reveals himself to them. Even Thomas himself died a martyr's death because he so believed that what Jesus promised was true, that he wanted to share it forever for the rest of his life and gave his life continuing to do that. Peter, who denied he ever even knew Jesus, once he saw and recognized the resurrected Christ, preached a sermon shortly after that where thousands came to faith in Christ, all of them willing to give their life for what they knew was true and what had been offered them in Jesus. You and I have the opportunity year after year to celebrate this particular event, to recognize that because of what Jesus did, our lives have changed forever. In John chapter 20, when they finally saw the Lord, it said they were overjoyed. I think that's one of the greatest understatements in all of Scripture. The God they loved, the God they cared about, the Jesus that they knew had changed their life for that moment, had died to them. And all of a sudden, to see him come to life, they were literally more than overjoyed. They were willing to lay down their life for what they knew and what they believed was true. All the fear they had had been replaced by what Jesus did as he rose from the dead. You open the book of Genesis, you only have to go 66 verses to find fear entering humanity. And because of what Christ did, all the fear is gone, all the fear is erased. About life and about the future. Everything that Jesus said would happen came true. That's why Paul said, death, where's your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Because of what Christ did on the cross, I know that I have life. Because he rose from the dead, I know I have a future that is absolutely incredible. Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, died a few years ago. Out of all the things she did and all the accolades that they could have given to her, all the things that could have been said about her, she had one simple phrase on her tombstone. 
said, construction is completed. Thanks for your patience. She had been on a journey a few years before that down in North Carolina somewhere and saw a number of signs about all the construction and everything was taking place and week after week saw it still there. And then finally, when it all came to an end, there was that sign, construction is completed. Thanks for your patience. And she thought, that's what life is all about. Everything that God promised me has come true. He's continued to work with me and walk with me every single step of the way. And now when I leave this world and I see him face to face, I know what he planned and what he has done is completed. And everything that I've longed for is in him and him alone. And she left this world with amazing joy and incredible peace because of what Jesus had offered her. My last church, I had a friend named Tom. Taught my daughter how to fish. Taught her how to enjoy leeks. I'm not sure how you do that, but he taught her how to do that. At 40-some years old, Tom got cancer, and it got really, really bad. After walking with him as a friend and a neighbor for a number of months, his wife finally had to go back to work, and so she called me up and said, would you just come up and make sure Tom gets his medicine every day? And I delighted in doing that. Took care of him as best as I knew how. The closer he got to the end of life at 40-some years old, the more excited he got about seeing Jesus. At 40-some years old. We would have conversations not about his regrets, but about what he was looking forward to. He said, do you realize how close I am to seeing everything I've ever believed in come true? In the next few days or weeks of my life, I get to see Jesus, the one I followed, the one I love, the one I adore. I get to see him face to face. And as sad as I felt, as empty inside for what I knew was going to take place for his family, there was something about his demeanor and something about his excitement that made me smile every time I left. As sad as I was for a friend who was passing away, it made me smile every time I left. Because I knew he knew what life was all about, and I knew he knew what the future held. Near the end of John, when he writes all the stories about Jesus, probably with more clarity than almost every other author, he said, I wish I could tell you everything Jesus did. Matter of fact, the libraries of the world couldn't contain all that Christ has done. But all of this has been written so that you can know you have eternal life. I've spent my life with people, and I've asked the question on a number of occasions about life and about the future, and so many of them, when they talk about the future, talk about a, a hope or a wish or I think so or I'd like to. Every one of us are going to die. Unless Jesus returns, we're all going to die. And so many of the people that I have conversations with hope they're going to go to heaven, wish they were going to go to heaven, would like to go to heaven, certainly want to go to heaven. And Jesus said through the Apostle John, I've written all this so that you can know you have eternal life. And our prayer here this morning is that you know. Not that you wish or you hope or you think. You know you have eternal life. So the moment you leave this world, you'll see Jesus face to face. And regardless of when that is, you have the absolute certainty that he'll welcome you home. A couple of weeks ago, I got a call from one of the families here and said, Patty is not going to make it. Now, the longer you're here, the more everyone becomes like family or friends. And Patty Fennell and I had known each other for 19 years. Went through a lot of ups and downs together in our journey. And I wanted to make sure that I got there to see her. So I drove up to Sunnyview and I, I walked in. And I wasn't sure if she was even still here, to be honest with you. 
I'd just seen her a few weeks before that, and we had a number of conversations, and now all of a sudden, I watched a body that was still. They said, I think she can still hear. So I walked over to her, leaned over, and I said, Patty? She opened her eyes and said, Danny. I was stunned. She said, I'm dying. I said, I know you are. But just think, in a few hours, you get to see Jesus. And she lit up like a Christmas tree. She said, I know. I can't wait. That's why we celebrate so much on an Easter Sunday morning. Because of that peace, that joy, that absolute certainty that I know Christ is my Savior, I understand what he did for me on the cross, I receive his death as a penalty for my sins, and I understand that he rose from the dead so that I too can have the promise of eternal life in him. Then our hope and our prayer is that every single one of you sitting here this morning are absolutely certain of your relationship with Jesus because he offers you and I unbelievably amazing grace. A chance to start all over again, to have forgiveness of our sins, to have our past completely eliminated and have an unbelievable sense of peace for the future. What Isaiah promised 700 years before Christ, what he promised to his disciples the weekend that he was about to die, he continues to promise. Peace that passes all understanding as your heart and mind stays on him. And a guarantee of the future so that you can know you have eternal life so that when it's all said and done, you can smile and say, I'm going home. And then you can hear him say, welcome home. Father, we thank you for the promises of your word. They are amazing. And we stand here this morning and we sing and we celebrate because we have a risen Savior. It literally changes everything from the demeanor of the disciples to our future. Everything we ever long for and hope for is in Jesus. And we come this morning just in gratitude and adoration to say thank you for providing all of that. All around this globe today, people come to celebrate. And here this morning, we join with them thousands and thousands of voices who in every tribe and every language and every tongue have lifted up to you praise because we know, different from every other religion on the world, we have a risen Savior who someday will receive us into himself. And so here this morning, we give you our praise and our gratitude for what you have done and what you have provided. And we honor your name and we glorify you for the fact that you offer it to us all. Regardless of our past, regardless of our issues, regardless of our problems, you offer it to us all. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to make the greatest decision of your life. Because you will find it the most amazing grace and gift you've ever received. If you don't know him this morning, it's a matter of acknowledging your sin, reaching out to the Savior. Invite him into your life, determining to live your life for him. Knowing when it's all said and done, you'll see him face to face. It is the greatest gift you'll ever receive. Receive it this morning.